Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorne and Robbie as your dungeon-occupying story weavers, we wish to help you as players and dungeon masters from the aspiring to the veteran with questions, ideas, and sometimes interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. Today we are uh, talking about the Paladin Oaths that we haven't covered just yet uh, in the last episode Robbie Bone Daddy and Thorn uh, took care of the player's handbook oaths. And so today we're going to go through Oath of Conquest, which comes from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and Oath of Glory and Oath of the Watchers from Tasha's. And then we're also going to uh, talk about the uh, Oathbreaker Paladins uh, and talk a little bit about that. So of these four, my favorite is Oath of the Watchers. Um, do you uh, we can go around real quick just which one of these four is your favorite and then we can talk about the breakdown of oath of conquest from xanathars what about you robbie what's your favorite of these four? Oh, you know me i love a good villain so <laughs> oathbreakers are my um oathbreakers or any i don't typically play paladins but if i was going to play a paladin i would probably make an oathbreaker paladin because that's just the way i roll and you would make him a villain because Oathbreakers aren't always villains. But fair enough. I would, but I would make him a villain. <laughs> you are correct. I mean, even if I was playing one of the other O's, I'd probably still make him a villain. <laughs> That's fair. And Thorn? Uh, I'm going to be oddball. I'll, just, I'll go Oath of Conquest. Uh, okay. I like the fact that they can actually consort with the powers of the Nine Hells. And they're not the, you know, greatest knights called Hell Knights. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's my persona a little better than, you know, Oath of Glory. Yeah. I pretty much just want chaos and death to everybody. Right. So, yeah. Oath of Conquest. And we'll we'll go right into that one, too. It's a good segue. Um, the Oath of Conquest, it's for paladins that they, it's kind of a different mold than, than your average paladin as we know it. I know, like, Thorn and I, uh, in first, second, and even really third edition, uh, paladins were kind of hard to play because they they seemed to be so set um, in their lawful good ways. It was it was very hard to to role play out of that until things like Oath of Conquest and and Oathbreaker came around. Um, but Oath of Conquest, they they see themselves as fit to rule. And that's, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I like that. They, they are, you know, they have the power, the magic, the author, uh, authoritative voice. They are who should be trusted or feared. And they also sear their tenets of conquest onto their arm, which is like awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't, uh... I like their tenets because, and the way they describe them out, because it's like douse the flame of hope. It is not enough to merely defeat an enemy in battle. Your victory must be so overwhelming that your enemy's will, will to fight is shattered forever. A blade can end a life. Fear can end an empire. I just, I love the way it goes through the whole thing and would rule with an iron fist, you know. Uh, you know, tolerate no dissent, strength above all, you shall rule until a stronger one arises. They're kind of, you know, in your yeah, face sure. with the, the definite, the tenets from this one, big time. And their spells, uh, Robbie, you, you, you're you the spellcaster. What, what do you think of the spell list that adds on to this Oath of Conquest? I'm taking a look at the spell list, and I mean, it's pretty... <sighs> I I really like it. Um, as someone who likes who likes command as a spell, getting it at their level is pretty cool. 
Um, spiritual weapon, pretty standard. Ooh, you can inflict curses on people. And this one has dominate beast and dominate person on their spell list as well, which I also think other paladins get. Um, but I feel like um, it's a lot more maniacal when it's. An it definitely list. can be, um, but I, I do like you know talking from like a mechanical standpoint. It is a little more versatile because you have a lot of like you know command hold person you know fear dominate beast those are and then of course that 17th level cloud kill and dominate person those are very offensive spells but they still get uh armor of Ag uh, agathis and uh stone skin so those are you know nice when you're really running low and you need a little bit of oomph for your for your ac uh and it gives you you know just a little bit more of a, a utility to the paladin instead of run and smash. I like the fact that it's got the aura of conquest because that's that basically gives fear in Tenfity. You, you you're casting fear the whole time, so it, it's kind of a neat thing, and it gets even bigger the more levels yeah. you get in it. And everything everything seems like it's 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 definitely geared to give you that more. I I, I always see oath of conquest and oath of glory kind of together. You know, conquest a little bit heavier. Because they they have like their channel divinity is conquering presence, like it's you exude that terrifying presence uh, that Thorn was talking about as an action. You force each creature of your choice that you can see within thirty feet of you to make a wisdom save. On a failed save, a creature becomes frightened for, of you for one minute, and the fr frightened creature can repeat repeat the save pretty much just the same as always, uh, ending the effect on uh, itself on a success. But that's I mean, if you just, you know, hey, I'm going to channel divinity as a freaking bonus action. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, he's afraid. That's <laughs> <laughs> it makes you very useful because your paladins are usually tanks and now they're running from the tank. So <laughs> it's like you have you you protect all the squishies behind you. <laughs> and that's the thing about being this one is if you're going to play a tank, you might as well play a real tank. Yeah. This <laughs> is a tank. And at level twenty, you get Invincible Conqueror. I'm kind of you. Ha you have resistance to all damage. Yeah, it's rage with extra stuff. <laughs> um, I was looking at it. and I was like, that reminds me of rage. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a better rage, but it only lasts for a minute. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. Like, I I feel like I'd really enjoy rounds, it. Robin. That's still ten rounds. That's true. It's very true. And I, I like feel it. like if it's... we went, if we turned that into like the 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 length of a rage i think that this it would just be busted like they have to balance it somewhere yeah exactly That's, you gotta have that little that little weakness to it besides all this crap that just overwhelms yeah. well to be fair it's better than rage because at least you don't have to take damage to, to maintain, to maintain it, yeah. it. <laughs> or deal damage yeah it's just there for a solid minute 10 10 whole rounds <laughs> Exactly. Let's go through just, I mean, we've talked about a lot of pros, but what are the cons of using the Oath of Conquest? Um, the same thing that I've usually had a problem with the Paladin. Their skill set and their skill set and their uh and the way they're mechanically like set their the way their skills are worded um makes it very hard to like puts them in a little a little niche of like, oh, the the purely purely holy character or the purely like military evil character or the because like you could play you could play another conquest and you could flavor it differently 
but like the abilities lend themselves very well to a domineering like force like i mean like you have a a disturbing presence and you're an invincible conqueror and like i mean you could you could make you could uh you could essentially skin it differently but the way the mechanics work like the fact that you frighten people around you um really puts um puts it in a in its own little niche and that's always been my thing with paladins they're like either holier than thou or like militaristic and i think one of the drawbacks to, to playing a, a paladin and it's the same with robbie a, a paladin of just about any kind is the fact that it, it tries to strip you into just this narrow pathway and it doesn't give you as much uh of a range to play with now it's not saying you can't give it to you to them yourself but you have to talk to your story weaver and figure out if that's something he wants to do because paladins are you know routinely just that straight and narrow and it could be either all good or all bad it's just what they are unless you want to be an oathbreaker i think my my con like usually when you look up guides for subclasses and stuff they usually give you like okay these are the useful spells this is the stuff that's like it you know like robbie and thorn were saying are very niche and then you know here's kind of the the best race for each one uh this one doesn't have that many quote-unquote best races usually when i see a guide there's usually at least three or four um races that you could use very well with uh with each subclass um and at least the guides that I've read, it only comes up with two, really. Um, and I agree with them. It's Dragonborn and Half-Orcs uh, would go really well with the Oath of Conquest because there's just so much utility to them. I mean, Dragonborns in themselves are very utility and we'll have to make an episode about races. Um, but with their plus two to strength and plus one to charisma, um, they they get a little bit more out of paladin subclasses like this but then you can also reskin you know their breath weapon as some of their a part of their aura of um aura of conquest and their scornful rebuke at the later levels at level 15 um but loxodon that one would be oh, good too, yeah i would love to see a loxodon paladin or or a turtle uh, or a yeah. turtle i would like that see and then like or a minotaur yeah, I think that would work, especially if you wanted to reskin the Minotaur like um, like the Minotaur from the Labyrinth, you know, of of mythology. That mm-hmm. would be kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, so. So final uh, final thoughts for for Oath of Conquest, Robbie. Um, I definitely think you should try it out at least once. I give it a I give it a I'll try it once, mm-hmm. maybe twice. Okay, yeah, that's that's my opinion on it. I mean, I like it. I'm, I'm the more we've been researching paladins, the more <laughs> they're kind of growing on me. Yeah, uh, I struggled. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I might try a paladin that one. I struggled to play paladin for a long time, um, but you know, when you when you read a lot, uh, you know, read a lot of the the guides and uh, source manuals uh, like Tasha's and Xanathar's and stuff, they do they pique my interest a lot more, uh, which is kind of funny because of what my favorite. Uh, my actual favorite paladin oath is but we'll get to that later my final thoughts for this one i think that it's great utility it can definitely be fun uh for role play if you're willing to be uh kind of the more abrasive character 
Um, my only real downfall for this is that most of their oath spells do have a lot of save DCs. So it's very easy for those spells to just fall short. What about you, Thorn? Yeah, and I think that as far as, as this oath, which I, like I said, out of the four we got, it's, it's my favorite one out of the four. But this oath, if you're going to play a paladin, you don't mind being that abrasive and you don't, and you like the action of it and the offensiveness of this paladin as opposed to others, which are a lot of defense, uh, it, give it a shot. It, it could be fun. You never know. Come up with a good Loxodon paladin oath of conquest. So moving on, mm-hmm. oath of glory next. Oath of glory next? <laughs> oath of glory! I, I, like I, said, you know, I think that, uh, that these, um, the two, Oath of Conquest and Oath of Glory, they kind of do go hand in hand uh, very well. Can I introduce it? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Oath of Glory! Think Hercules. Think um, Greek mythology. You have won the Cosmic Lottery. You are like the crowning achievement. Like glory is in your name. Your deeds are heroic. You train diligently to save everyone. Your attendants speak true to that. You actions over words. Your challenges are a test. You hone your body and you discipline your soul. You are playing a Greek demigod when you play Oath of Glory. And the world is your oyster combined with your charismatic ability to charm people around you. You are a superstar. Sorry. That was good. I mean, I wouldn't introduced it quite as well. So there you go. (laughs) So I guess... Uh, why don't you talk about a few uh, pros, Bone Daddy? Of- yeah, definitely. You get um, so for this oath, you actually get some pretty cool spells, including hero- heroism. Um, a lot of them have to do with enhancing your abilities, giving yourself magic weapons. You get haste as one of your spells, um, freedom of movement as one of your spells, and since you are playing what would typically be considered a demigod. Um, because this is very much sounds like Greek mythology, you get commune because why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, you also, as your channel, you would do channels of any, you get um, bonuses to your athleticism, your acrobatics, you are an inspiring person, you can inspire people around you with temporary hit points, you get an aura of alacrity. Alacrity, am I saying that right? Alacrity. Alacrity. Sorry. Aura of Alacrity. And um, you fill everyone around you with your power. And it's just... I I love this. When I was reading over it, I was like, oh my god, this is awesome. I forgot they released this um, when they originally released it in like the MTG Theros book. Mm-hmm. Like, I had like completely forgot. I was, oh, I was like super, super... Um, enthralled with the bard class that they released mm-hmm. that I like completely looked over the paladin of the glory paladin and I regret all of my decisions <laughs> I would I would play this paladin because it's just why not I would love to see you play this paladin I would too yeah <laughs> I'd love to see you play a paladin period because nine times out of ten you make deals with the devil but um, I do. <laughs> and she's going to turn him into an oathbreaker, so he's going to get it where he wants to get anyway. Yeah, I mean, he'll get like, you know, he'll look for the specific spells, right? So he he really likes, uh, you know, haste uh, and uh, protection from energy from ninth level. So he'll do like nine points in 
in Oath of Glory, and then all of a sudden, whoops, we just broke an oath. <laughs> yeah, whoopsie. I just wanted all this cool stuff. My bad. <laughs> I mean, but I played a character like this. I just didn't make him a paladin. I played um when I played Corn. Yeah. Corn was literally an Oath of Glory paladin, but I he was I just didn't know this existed. I like he forgot about instead. it. <laughs> he was a monk instead. But I would have totally played him as an Oath of Glory paladin because that's that's what he that's essentially what he was. He was like well, all I kinds mean, of you know. I mean, I, I think he went a little above and beyond uh, the Oath of Glory because Corn thought he was Odin himself for a time. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so. I think I think my favorite part of this is that for their picture for the Oath of Glory, it is a tiefling, and I love yes. that kind of representation. <laughs> Because uh, like you wouldn't think tiefling of the glory paladin, but everyone that's pretty thinks cool. Tiefling warlock, done. Yeah, everyone always <laughs> thinks tiefling warlock, tiefling wizard, tiefling rogue, tiefling rogue. Oh my god, <laughs> everyone always thinks tiefling rogue. But it's nice to see it as an of the glory paladin, and it isn't you know a human. Yeah, human, a human, human, or a Goliath. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean to be fair. Humans and Goliaths would go really great with this oath because they're versatile races. But I think Tiefling makes for a fun, a fun paladin build, especially with the stuff the 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 utility that you get from some of these spells. You know, um, the only downfall is that some of the spells that you get are kind of a hit or miss because, like, freedom of movement, which is a spell that you get at thirteenth level, which is oddly late. Um, freedom of movement is either really good or it's completely useless in a campaign it just depends entirely on like mm-hmm. the the encounters that you you're given when you're playing you know so like it's either very utilitarian or well i have it i guess <laughs> so that's that's my thought on that but otherwise you i s- like it did you see its last ability was that something that the was that something hold on or which one commune or flame conquer no, oh, it's its last its last ability, the uh um, living legend. Yeah, the living legends. So I'm I'm looking at it and it's just, so it's essentially almost like the aura the the or the paladin of conquest ability, but its last part makes it so much better as an ability mm-hmm. because you can only use this once you use this bonus action, you can't use it again so you finish the long rest like the other one unless you expend a fifth level spell slot to use it again yeah so you could keep using it unlike the other one but you only get it like once every long rest yeah for a minute that's Ooh. pretty cool so you know that we were talking awesome. we were talking about tiefling warlocks if you started out with a tiefling oath of glory and like you know we just recently finished our epic level campaign i could see going like 17 or, or well like 20 points in, into this going all the way to the end getting that level 20 living legend ability and then getting a point in warlock so that you can start re uh re, like uh gaining back your your spell slots no it's true so then you can just keep using living legend <laughs> you get it you know you're you're one or two times and then you could just keep expending fifth level spell slots by that point I I like this. <laughs> that could be cool. I I think this is so cool. Like I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, this is this is why I was reconsidering playing a paladin because 
I think so. Nice. No, it's really hard to beat a wizard for me, <laughs> only because I really like playing wizards or magic users because I really like having access to magic. I mean, I guess paladins have access to magic, but I, mean, I they really have, like they have holy magic. You know, that's especially when you're in an oath of glory. It's not the same, but when you're an oath of glory paladin, you're gonna say that it's better because <laughs> you sure. have you have magic from a god. I didn't have to study for this. <laughs> that's true, but I, I always like my my thing with wizards is that I just like how like versatile they are, and I love I love the fact of being like, oh look, I have all these spells. Yeah, Let me just. Give me a minute while I figure this out. <laughs> so awesome. All right. Final thoughts, uh, Thorn, on this one. I personally think that the that last that level twenty makes the whole class worth it because that living legend thing is is pretty badass. You you miss and you can still hit. Yeah. You can re-roll saving throws once per turn. Yeah. It's it's your very it's own sick. lucky feat. Yeah, it's sick and it's. Just happens over and over again. Ten rounds of yeah. I mean, that's that's to me. That's that's worth it. It's worth everything for it. I mean, it sounds like it's fun. Listen to the way Bone Daddy talks. He's basically in love with the class right now. I am. I am. And then if you just get the lucky feet, also, you're just the luckiest person. Um, Imagine a, uh, a halfling or a Kinder Oath of Glory paladin. Oh my god. <laughs> I I, I kind of want to write that life. down. <laughs> <laughs> I want this in my life. Um, the uh, I don't know. I give it a five out of five. It's just it gives me Hercules vibes, mm. and it gives me like the best parts of wanting to play. Like, because Hercules is one of my favorite Disney movies as well. So like, uh-huh. I was like, I'm like, hey, like this is essentially what, I, what I'm getting from it. And it's just really cool. Theros was also a really cool set for me for Magic Gathering. So it just gives me everything I love about it. And I'm just like, yes, I will I will play this Oath of Glory one because at least I get to yell a lot and That's like true. proclaim how amazing I am like all times. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you do in real life. Which is what I do in real life. <laughs> I, I just announce myself when I go into rooms. I'm just like, I'm arrived. He put play on his intro music. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, so mine, my favorite of the four, uh, is the Oath of the Watchers. Uh, and so I will read the tenets of the Watchers. The, the one caveat that I have to this is that it is a super niche subclass. Uh, but I use it purely as um a a piece in my my campaign that we're going through right now arc three um you guys did you met uh some of them we just didn't really get into it yet for the session but all of the paladins in my south guardian empire are all paladins of the watchers um and i just i just loved the 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 niche factor and and the tenants and the tenants are vigilance the threats you face are cunning powerful and subversive be ever alert for their corruption. Loyalty, never accept gifts or favors from friends or those who struck, uh, or no, fiends, or those who uh, struck with them. Stay true to your order, your comrades, and your duty. Discipline, you are the shield against the endless terrors that lie beyond the stars. Your blade must be forever sharp and your mind keen to survive what lies behind. I just think when I hear the Oath of the Watchers, I literally think of like the Watchers from like comic books and things. And 
you know, like the the Marvels, the Watcher uh, in the What If series. Like I, I think of that. I think of these paladins that are just staring off. Uh, you know the uh, the Night's Watch from Game of Thrones. These are that's the type of paladin that I see uh, when I read about this, and especially when you look at the the spells that they get. You know, they get alarm. They get uh, moonbeam that helps you uh, see the the the, uh, the target and do damage for a ridiculous amount. Uh, non detection, aura of purity, banishment, um, and the one that I like the most is the fact that this paladin gets counter spell at ninth level. That is so. It's it's just the most versatile and, and utility spell. You know, like hey. Your DM's telling you, you know, describing this amazing spell, finger of death. Oh, counterspell. Sorry. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't want, you You know, <laughs> the DM said he was going to do it and I said no. <laughs> and nope. unless you get into a counterspell war, you know, which is bad anyway, you know, let your player just counterspell your spell. It happens. Uh, but like that just, that's something like, that's a cool entrance for a Oath of the Watcher uh, paladin you know you can describe if you're playing at a higher level if you end up splitting the party why would we ever we always do um but uh the the paladin can come into a room and see their friends you know being just bombarded by spells and then just walk in and just counterspell <laughs> and then have like a dramatic uh scene to watch you know as they walk into the door kind of thing so uh, that I like that the most is just that, you know, they they're very niche, you know, because like alarm me, uh, but it can be a good spell, <laughs> uh, especially when you get to higher levels, banishment and hold monster. Um, and then we get into like the channel divinities. Um, my I never I, I play uh, an oath of the watcher and I've never used watchers will which is still a good one. You can use your channel divinity to invest your presence with a warding power of your faith. As an action, you can choose a number of creatures you see within 30 feet uh, up to a number equal to your charisma modifier, minimum of one. For one minute, all those chosen creatures have advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws. It's very useful, but I just like Abjure the Extra Planar better because um, that kind of lends into the 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 protection and uh banishment of of what this oath of watcher kind of seems to be you know protector of the walls type thing um basically the watchers turn the undead yeah basically yeah i mean you know you're you're presenting your holy symbol which is each an element uh, an elemental fey fiend or aberration within 30 feet of you that you can hear uh, makes a wisdom saving throw on a failed save the creature is turned for one minute uh, or until it takes damage a turn creature must spend its turns trying to move away uh, and it can't willingly move to a space within 30 feet of you it is the turn undead but it's turn elemental turn fey turn fiend or aberration so that's that's kind of a that's a cool thing to have you know <laughs> as a feat because then most dms that i've i've played with now if they know that you know you're playing uh, a paladin or a cleric, and oh, I'm not going to do undead because you know turn undead. 
now they have trouble because it's four things that you have to worry about elemental fae fiend and aberrations which is a lot of monsters in the monster manual mind you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> don't forget it's also celestial there's a fifth thing it can turn celestials too interesting <laughs> which is all sorts of products yeah all sorts <laughs> What I mean, we can talk about. I mean, there's so at seventh level, just to go through the the rest of the the features real quick. The at seventh and eighteenth level, uh, aura of the sentinel. You admit an aura of alertness while you aren't incapacitated. When you and any creature of your choice within ten feet of you rolls initiative, you gain a bonus to initiative equal to your charisma modifier. You're a paladin. That's stupid good. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting you know a minimum of plus one. But usually it's at least a two or a three. Uh, and if you're lucky with your stat rolls, you might get a four. Um, and if you're Thorn, you're going to get a five because he rolls stupid high every time for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at 18th well, level... Actually, last week I rolled shit. <laughs> at 18th level, the range of this uh, increases to 30 feet. So your entire party gets you know that that charisma modifier to your initiative which can be huge especially at 18th level um because you're talking about ancient dragons and liches and all kinds of cr30 fun stuff um at 15th level you get vigilant rebuke uh you've learned how to magically chastise anyone who dares cast unwanted spells at you and your wards whenever you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you succeeds on a saving throw against a spell you use your reaction to deal 2d8 plus your charisma modifier force damage to the spellcaster. like <laughs> that's that is hilarious and awesome to to role play you know <laughs> How dare you concede at that saving throw? Yeah. <laughs> Just How dare you? <laughs> uh, Smack. And then uh, Mortal Bulwark uh, at 20th level. This is just craziness. You manifest you manifest a spark of your deity's power in defense of your sacred oath. As a bonus action, you gain the following benefits for one minute. You gain all of them. You gain true sight in a 120-foot radius. You have advantage on attack rolls against elementals, phase, fiends, and aberrations. When you hit a creature with an attack and deal damage to it, you can also force it to make a charisma saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is magically banished to its native plane of existence <laughs> if it's not currently there. <laughs> I just, I mean, you know, you smack it once. It doesn't matter if you do one point of damage to it. If it fails that save, goodbye. It's it's banished. It just go back to where you once came. <laughs> just like, God. And then it's a bonus action that's just... So you can use it while you're attacking. It's just amazing. I love it. <laughs> I like the true sight on it. Oh, yes. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize how handy true sight actually is. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Um, true sight will, is the same thing that allows dragons to uh, see you all the time. All the time. No matter what. No matter what. <laughs> unless something, unless you cast something specific or have something that negates true sight, but still. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of the, like, even the, the you know, the lower level spells, um, you know, alarm is kind of niche, but like, like I said, counter spell is, is awesome. Um, and uh, moonbeam is really cool because it's a, it's an area of effect damage spell. Um, 
Aura of Purity is fairly solid um, against like stronger undead and some versions of of demons. So that that even makes you even more versatile, you know, because your most of your kit usually just deals with the elementals, the fiends, the fae, and the aberrations. But then you get Aura of Purity, and you can kind of add to that. Um, and uh, I mean, whole monster. When is whole monster not useful? <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's just one of those things, but you know, I that is my my con and my pro that it's such a niche um, subclass because like if you if you're if you know your DM and your campaign is going to allow you to work with this subclass, then awesome. It's you're gonna be busted during the whole campaign, but if you're not sure what the encounters are gonna be, it's gonna be a hit or a miss with this one. Um, and you kind of have to like play with your spells a little bit more and your abilities to try and make it work into the campaign. So those are, that's, I mean, those are my final thoughts, but um, as far as like the race that I like seeing uh, played this, I play a Luxodon uh, Oath of the Watcher. Humans are really good too, uh, which is kind of nice because almost no one likes to play humans anymore. So having the fact that humans are, a little more versatile in this one works really nice. And then Tabaxi's. I love the way that Tabaxi writes with this oath in particular. So mm-hmm. things to think about. Final thoughts for things you guys. <laughs> Bone Daddy. Um, I it's I give it a three out of five. Yeah. That's I fair. mean, I I like it. I mean it's I don't know if I'd play it, but it seems pretty cool. Like it seems very um, different than the other ones, so I don't know. I'll mm-hmm. give it a shot one day. I, I, it's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but it, it could be it could be fun. I'd like to do like a gnome, oh, a yeah. gnome, both of the watchers. I think it'd be fun to play uh, the charisma thing. I mean, it's it's something different, but it's like I said, it's not my favorite. Yeah. So I I agree with Robbie. A three out of five. Yeah, I like I you know I said it's, it's a very niche thing, so it's like in, I guess I would give it a three point five because I I do like it as far as the concept and the role play uh, bonuses from that you can get from this oath are awesome to me, but like everyone said, like it's it's super niche and you have to be like really respectful of that. So that is the oath of the Watchers. Uh, Bone Daddy or Thorn, do you which one of you wants to do the intro for Oathbreakers? Mm-mm. I will let you go, Robbie, because I know that's your favorite. <laughs> I mean, it's not like my favorite, but it's it makes more sense to me when I think about it. so Oathbreakers. Um, so are you a paladin? Are you tired of all those tenants? <laughs> do you have your tenants? Do you have your tenants seared onto your flesh? Is it weird that the tenants are seared onto your flesh? Well, don't worry. There's a way to get out of it. Just become an Oathbreaker Paladin. For as little as your eternal soul, um, you can become a dark and ambitious evil power, essentially how it's described. And only darkness remains in your heart. As an Oathbreaker Paladin, you receive such spells as Hellish Rebuke, Inflict Wounds, Crown of Madness, Darkness, you can animate the dead, bestow curses, create a plight, create confusion, create a contagion, 
or dominate somebody. So that's cool. Yeah. You also have the ability to control the undead, which is awesome. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's I mean, pretty, pretty cool. It's not it's not turn undead. So like it's it's different. So it, it, I, I like that they just they changed it to control undead instead of turn, because it that like you said in the in the intro, are you tired of being a paladin? So <laughs> I mean, are you are you done with like are you done with the whole other than that attitude of your palace and brethren? <laughs> just kill them all and raise their corpses. And- <laughs> so mechanically, this this basically an oathbreaker uh, paladin. You have broken one of your oaths, so what happens is is you lose all of your stuff from that oath. Exactly. That, that oath is gone, and you take over the levels um, Oathbreaker. So mechanically, that's the way it works. It's also very painful, and it's something that as a paladin, unless you really did a 360, it's usually not a good thing. Not a good thing. That's very true. I mean, it is in the in the section of villainous class options in the um, Dungeon Master's Guide. <laughs> and, like, your last ability is called Dreadlord. I mean, come um, on, seventh level is Aura mm-hmm. of Hate. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I would play it, but I'm a terrible person. So, I mean, like, I just... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's go through those really quick because you you read the spells, um, and then you you touched on the control undead for your channel divinity. Um, there's also a dreadful aspect, which as an action you channel the darkest emotions and focus them into a burst of magical menace. Um, Kylo Ren. Uh, each creature of your choice within thirty feet of you must make a wisdom oh saving throw. <laughs> I killed it for you. <laughs> it is it is Kylo Ren, isn't it? It's just it's Kylo Ren. I so they make I hate it. I hate that so much. Oh my gosh. I I less want to play I this. Want to play. <laughs> um, um and so then we get Aura of Hate at seventh level that I, I talked about. Um, you as well as any fiends and undead within ten feet of you gain a bonus to melee damage uh, rolls equal to your charisma modifier, which is huge for paladins. Um, a creature can benefit from this feature from only one paladin at a time. At eighteenth level, the range of the aura increases to thirty feet. Um, so I mean, your damage output at seventh level is just dumb. It's it's stupid because you're getting that extra bonus on top of your proficiency bonus. Like it's just it's craziness. Uh, and then at fifteenth level, you get supernatural resistance, which is you gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non magical weapons. So you get the benefit of rage, without having to rage without having to rage. It's permanent. It just makes you a ginormous tank. Uh, and, and on top of that, tanky bruiser, which is just ungodly, literally. On, exactly. And on top of that, you're already wearing armor. More than likely, if you're a paladin, you could be wielding a shield. That is insane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your AC is high. Your damage output is high. Now your and your health is usually high because constitutions are usually a high one for paladins. And then, oh yeah, you've you've got resistance to non magical weapons. Like, what? Well, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> And then, of course, like Robbie the Bone Daddy said, the Dreadlord at 20th level, you can 
as an action. Surround yourself with an aura of gloom that lasts for one minute. The aura reduces any bright light in a 30-foot radius around you to dim light. Whenever an enemy that is frightened by you starts its turn in the aura, it takes 4d10 psychic damage. Additionally, that's insane. And then they just have to throw in the word additionally. <laughs> so like that alone, that aura with the start its turn, 4d10 psychic damage. I'd have been fine with it being just that because that's still crazy. But then we have. Oh, I, love, I love the next part. Yeah. Additionally, you and any creatures of your choosing in the aura are draped in deeper shadow. Creatures that rely on sight have disadvantage on attack rolls against creatures draped in this shadow. So not only do you have your high AC, your high resistances, now you have disadvantage against you. Like. <laughs> but wait, there's more. You can turn those shadows into attacks? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, there's more. (laughs) And if the the shadow's attack hits, the target takes necrotic damage equal to 3d10 plus the (laughs) charisma modifier. That's a total of, it could be up to about like 35, 34 points of damage. Yeah, on average, on average, it's 22 22 average damage per round as a bonus action. So he blinks, and there's 22 damage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, The only thing, and again, this is my problem with the other paladins, except for the Watcher and the Oath of Glory, is that the Watcher and the Oath of Glory get that nifty little, you can burn a fifth-level spell slot Mm -hmm. to activate it again, and these don't. They are after a long rest. And that is, honestly, I would probably... If someone was playing it, I'd probably give them the option to do it because it just seems seems like a better option since it is your 20th level spell. You might as well be able to like use it again by burning a fifth level spell slot. I don't know. I like that better. I like the way that sounds better than having to do it after you finish a long rest. Yeah. I mean, because like it it's not even like a after a long rest, it's a once per day type thing. Like ugh. <laughs> that hurts. I mean, like. I know it's like you're only doing it for a minute and then it's only it's this one's after it can't do it until you finish the long rest like what yeah just just uh just give them the fifth level spell slot option you burn a fifth level spell slot you can activate your or your uh dreadlord ability again right see (laughs) so yeah as dms i think we would rule it as just use your fifth level spell slot well it's only fair yeah yeah it seems ability what's your thoughts on this one I mean, so utilitary-wise, mechanical-wise, I love it. I mean, you can't go wrong with a huge, stupid tank with high damage output. When you mix the two together, like it's, it, it can just be dumb and busted in your campaigns. And as a DM who deals with busted all the time because I let things slide, um, it can be really fun. There's great role play in it. Um, the only thing is that I warn people who play the Oathbreaker is to not lay so heavy into the I'm a villain Kylo Ren character. Because <laughs> that can just get kind of annoying if you do it wrong. Um, so it, it, you just have to find that kind of balance for RP purposes. But overall, I would think four out of five on this one, Bone Daddy. I think, yeah, four out of five. I like, I give it four to five because it's evil. I take the one point away because uh, 
because you reminded me that Kylo Ren is just <laughs> Kylo Ren. I, I hate you so much. Okay, and, and me, I give it a four out of five unless you plot hook it as going after one of the paladins in your group secretly. And what you do is you realize that they've broken an oath at some point, and then you put them as the big bad guy. And there you go. I mean, honestly, that that to me makes it a five out of five. If you can pull it off to where the characters are surprised and you get the look of shock on their faces and betrayal because you are a horrible person and I just revel in it and take the praise as it comes. Yeah. And we do talk about that in the episode being the bad guy. So if you want to run it like that, absolutely take a listen to that episode. Uh, and we give a few ideas of how a character, uh, a person of the party can be the bad guy and not hurt everybody's feelings. <laughs> That's always the tricky part. Right. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Uh, Robbie, you're always the bad guy. He's also singing the song. That's... <laughs> I do want to do this, and it could be a quick hit because this is actually going to be one of our longer episodes, I think. Uh, if you can go through and give me your favorite oath out of all, because understand, listeners, uh, we appreciate everything you do for us, but we haven't been able to touch on all the oaths because there's just too many. Yeah, We'll probably, after we go through a lot of the other, the other classes and stuff, we'll go over some more oaths, but there's just too many for us to hit in a single episode. But we're going to, to go ahead and tell you what our favorite oaths are and just kind of go over it just for a little bit, just as a closing to this one. What do you think? Oh, that's fair. Uh, and I, I'm ready if you guys want. I can start it. <laughs> go ahead and start it. Go ahead. My favorite of all time uh, has to be the Oath of the Ancients, which I know you guys did touch on uh, last episode. Um, but having... It, I guess it's it's something about being a part of an older ancient power, you know, similar to like warlocks with the ancient one. The oath of the ancients, it's I mean, it's as it's as old as the race of elves and the rituals of druids. Like, you know, they're they're sometimes called fey knights, green knights, or horn knights. Paladins who swear this oath cast their lot with the the sight of the light in a cosmic struggle against darkness. Like just the paragraph alone in the the handbook, the player's handbook, got me to like it. Uh, and then you know you do get some really interesting spells as a as a paladin. You don't normally see yourself doing things like misty step or ice storm or commune with nature. Those are druid spells. But man, I tell you what, my Luxodon. Uh, uh like it when i because i chose my luxodon was an oath of the watcher but i did a fey touched uh feet and it gets the misty step man that thing's super useful when you've got a, a an enemy that's running away and you're just like oh hi <laughs> just i'm here i'm in front of you and oh by the way divine smite and just power through people um i just think that this is it's one of those uh those interesting RP oaths, because I mean, like Undying Sentinel at fifteenth level, right? The 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 mechanical one is when you're reduced to zero uh, and not killed outright, you drop to one. But you know, half orcs get that, so that's not special. But additionally, you suffer none of the drawbacks of old age, and you can't be aged magically. That's that's role play. 
that's super cool <laughs> so mm-hmm. i i picked that one as as role play but i'm also kind of evil as we i guess as all the three of us are um and i love getting like anywhere from five to maybe nine points in oath of the ancients and then doing uh an archfey warlock uh and and multi-classing because you know archfey archfey is the the sole theme of of that uh but the utility of having uh the warlock utility by itself is awesome and then having these extra tanky spells like you're a tanky warlock like who can't like that (laughs) so that's mine all right mine is oath of glory i don't i feel like i've (laughs) yeah we i feel like i've already yeah i feel like i've already hit the one on the head um sorry let me just (laughs) oh the floor yes (laughs) yeah It's Oath of Glory. For all of the beautiful reasons that Oath of Glory is amazing. The whole Greek aesthetic, the whole, or the Greek mythology aesthetic, the whole demigod feel, and the ability to just be like, you're basically, it's like having the gladiator um, background without having to have the gladiator background. You're just a charismatic, awesome person. I love it. Yeah, and, and for me, it's I'm going to go way different than the rest of you guys because I'm going off the reservation. I'm going D&D Wiki, and I am going Oath of Execution, which is basically a sociopath paladin. And for rather well-known reasons with me, that I, I enjoy playing that type of character because I like to kill things. And it's basically, I mean, the tenets themselves, uh, composure, kill with no emotion. Know your enemy. Collect information about your enemy whenever possible. Detachment. Never allow personal matters to get in the way of killing. I mean, it, it, lay of, it actually corrupts lay of hands and makes it so you do damage when you lay hands on them. I mean, the, all the spells turn to inflict wounds, hellish rebuke, shadow blade, misty step, death touch, counterspell. Again, counterspell. Amazing spell. Uh, blight, fire shield, uh, core, cone of cold, and banishing smite. I mean, this guy is all about killing. Like I said before, if you're going to make a tank, make a tank. And that right there is one of the biggest tanks I've ever seen. So that's that's my favorite. With that, guys, that is the Paladin class, as Thorne said. Uh, we might circle back to some of the other uh, subclasses of Paladins that we didn't touch on in these last two episodes. Uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot of each I mean, if we're covering every class and trying to get as many subclasses as possible, just so that you guys can uh, know a little bit about it before choosing. Um, and, uh, you know, we, Robbie and I will be uh, kind of doing some guides uh, on our blog page uh, later on in, in the, in the futures. So uh, keep an eye out for those, but there's just so many we can't we can't possibly get through all of them and not have you sit here for three hours listening to us jibber jabber so with just true i mean yeah so bear with us but we will get as many as we can uh we will do at least one episode of each class but we may end up doing two uh like we did with the paladin and uh and that's it guys if you if you liked this stuff you know give us a like and a follow and all of that jazz And remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied.